0: Standing for Life. Personally Opposed does nothing to actually stand up for the protection of innocent human beings. It does nothing to help. It's coming from a place of pain and a culture full of broken psyches trying to cover up for the trauma of abortion and rejected motherhood. Standing for Truth. You got three days in the belly of a giant fish trying to figure out why you went west when God specifically told you to go east. But we all do this. You're not going to confess something the priest has never heard. You haven't invented any new sins. Whatever your struggle, you're not alone. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to heal brokenness. This is Ready to Stand on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Here's your host, Cullen Harrod. Hello welcome to you. This is Ready to Stand, Spirit Catholic Radio Network. This is your home for weekly discussion on how to build a culture of life. I'm Cullen Harrowt. Cullen at KVSS.com is the email C-U-L-L-E-N at com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Very happy to be with you after what has been quite the historic week here in Nebraska. A couple things to talk about this week. The Feast of Divine Mercy is this weekend, perhaps my favorite of all the feasts on the liturgical calendar. But of course, we have to start with what transpired this week in Lincoln on Wednesday. The Nebraska Unicameral, for eight hours, debated LB-626, otherwise known as the Nebraska Heartbeat Act. This was the first round of debate on this bill. And after eight hours, Senator Joni Albrecht, the sponsor of the bill, uh invoked cloture which is a fancy way of saying that she called a vote to end debate and to filibuster to have a vote and to move the bill on to the next round of debate 49 senators here in nebraska 33 votes were needed and it was successful by a vote of 33 to 16 state senators voted to end debate and then they voted on the bill itself and the bill passed on to the second round of debate the time frame on the second round of debate still up in the air, uh, at least as of the time that I'm recording this. But Wednesday's proceedings moved this bill one step closer to becoming law in the state of Nebraska. Now, there are still two more rounds of debate that this bill needs to clear. Uh, but if it does, Nebraska will join the list of states that protect unborn children once a heartbeat can be detected. This was, not an understatement, a huge deal for unborn children, for the pro-life movement. It was a huge deal. Wednesday was a very tense day at the Capitol. There were dueling rallies going on. There were chanting protesters. There were angry senators. There were Bible verses being read on the floor. It was a historic day. And at the end of the day, There were enough votes to pass this bill on to the next round. Now, again, things will continue to be complicated here, of course. If one state senator decides to flip his or her vote to a no vote, that could tank this thing. So with the cloture vote, they need 33 votes. They got 33, but that's not a lot of wiggle room. Senator Merv Reepy from Ralston voted in favor, but also plans to introduce an amendment which would move the bill from banning abortion after a heartbeat can be detected to a basic 12-week abortion ban significantly reducing the effectiveness and reducing the number of abortions it is yet to be seen how that will play out but the bottom line if we're doing bottom line here there is still a long way to go before LB 626 becomes law but Wednesday's vote was a very, very big deal. And I want to send a special thank you to everyone who reached out to their state senator and especially want to remind you that it's now more important than ever to do so. Senators always mention that they enjoy hearing from constituents. And as faithful Catholics, it's on us to step up and make sure that our voices are heard in the public square. Reaching out to your senator is a great way to do that. And this is true even if your senator, like mine, is not going to agree with you on the issue of abortion. I emailed my senator prior to the Catholics at the Capitol event this past Wednesday, uh, which I was unable to attend. And I mentioned the event, told him a little bit about why I support LB626, knowing full well that he was not going to agree with me. But I do think that it's important that our voices are out there anyway that we mention the bill anyway, that we encourage them to support the bill anyway. Because if we cannot stand up for unborn children, who is going to do it? So please, please contact your state senator. There is another round of debate coming up. We will eventually figure out when that's going to be. But make sure your voice is heard. There are several ways to figure out who your state senator is if you are unsure. You can easily Google... Nebraska legislative districts, you can enter your address and it'll come up for you. Okay, that's one way to do it. The Nebraska Catholic Conference has a tool where you can find your state senator. Uh, The website there, necatholic.org, necatholic.org. Again, several ways to find your senator if you don't know who it is, but please get involved. The time is now. If you've never contacted your senator or engaged in this way, the time is now. This is a historic opportunity to protect unborn human life. So let's make it happen. All right. So on to the debate that happened on the floor Wednesday. And as you can expect, uh, those who were trying to filibuster this bill were advocates of abortion. And it really was just one talking point after another on the pro-abortion side. And there's way too many to tackle in such a short period of time on this program. But one thing that I noticed, I'm going to give a couple of observations here. One thing that I noticed as I was following along during the day on Wednesday, and this will not come as breaking news to you, but it was so evident that I, even though I was expecting it, it still stood out to me. And that is the desire of abortion advocates to frame abortion as healthcare, And this has been going on for a long time. Okay, this is not breaking news, not super surprising. But what was surprising is that this frame of reference into, into almost every comment that was made on the floor Wednesday from the pro-abortion side, it was, why are we intervening in women's health care? Don't women know what's in their best interest when it comes to their health? Our healthcare providers stand united. Healthcare this, healthcare that. One state senator, and I'm not keen on mentioning names, uh, but one state senator even compared Nebraska's healthcare structure to a game of Jenga. Remember the old block game where you build a tower and then you've got to try to pull out various blocks without knocking the tower over. This senator compelled compared, excuse me, the healthcare structure to a game of Jenga. And said if you remove abortion access, the whole tower will fall over, which is obviously not true. The healthcare structure in Nebraska will be just fine without access to abortion. Another senator continually brought up how if abortions are made illegal, the number of persons seeking quote unquote abortion health care illegally will increase. Healthcare, healthcare, health care. And it got so bad that I almost screamed at my phone on several different occasions. I did not do that, but almost did. Friends, abortion is not health care. This radio program is not a legislative chamber. But if it were, my objection would be to the idea that abortion is health care in the first place. And I understand that the abortion industry has made great inroads referring to it as such changing the language to something that fits them a little better. But I think if we are able to stop and think about the claim, even for just a few minutes, it's pretty clear that abortion and healthcare have absolutely nothing in common. If you're just tuning in, this is Ready to Stand, Spirit Catholic Radio Network. I would charge anyone to think of any other healthcare procedure That sucks a human being out of his or her natural environment and tosses them in with other random medical waste products. That is what happens with abortion. A tiny human being is taken from his or her natural environment and disposed of. There was one moment on Wednesday where a senator, I believe a senator from Omaha, referred to unborn children as being the size of a Tic Tac or half a Tic Tac, if I remember. A very tiny human being. But that's exactly the size that a human being is supposed to be at six weeks. If it were bigger or smaller, there would be a problem. And I don't understand why we would penalize a child for being the size that he or she is supposed to be but there is no other medical procedure that I know of where a human being is taken from his or her environment and disposed of as medical waste. That is not healthcare. Healthcare is designed to heal and make whole, to take something broken and fix it, to take an injury and prevent it. Any procedure that ends with a deceased human being is not healthcare. and should not be considered healthcare just because, a doctor is involved doesn't immediately lend it credibility. This is another talking point that can be rejected. Abortion, not health care. A procedure that rends a human being medical waste is not healthcare. Another of the more uh, interesting, dubious talking points that came up was the idea that as a state, we are trying to attract people to come and live here. We want young talent. We want bright minds. We want people flocking to Nebraska. And if we ban abortion after six weeks, this is going to deter people from wanting to move here. The phrase used was a brain drain. We will experience a brain drain. Bright young people either leaving or not wanting to move to Nebraska because of our abortion laws. Now, I have several thoughts here. It's hard to even know where to begin. I think, first of all, the most true this could possibly be would be half true, right? If we are going to claim that our abortion laws will deter people from moving here, don't we also have to acknowledge that our abortion laws might attract other people to move here? That makes sense, doesn't it? If there's a whole contingent of people out there looking to move somewhere based on their abortion laws, Aren't some of them probably looking for a place where unborn children are protected? Now, I don't buy this anyway. Am I supposed to believe that there are tons of folks out there looking at maps, weighing opportunities, and the determining factor is going to be whether they can get an abortion if they think they need one? I'm sure that this has happened occasionally. But I am extremely doubtful that it's a regular occurrence. And I'm also pretty sure that the opposite happens. In fact, I think the opposite is actually more likely that a bright young doctor or professional would move here knowing that they could practice medicine freely, that their conscience is protected, that they won't be forced into doing things that would violate their conscience like participating abortions in any way. That they could practice medicine-free without being forced to participate in practices that violate their conscience. I think that's more likely than a person, maybe a couple, hey, I'd love to move to Omaha or I'd love to stay in Omaha and work for this company or that company. But gosh, what if I need an abortion? And if those conversations are happening then it's just proof that abortion advocates are using abortion as backup birth control, which is something that nobody seems too keen on admitting, but has obviously happened. Anyway, as it stands, I am in no way inclined to believe that there are myriad people who would otherwise choose to live in Nebraska, whether they are from here or not, who will leave the state or live elsewhere because of abortion laws. I would need some serious evidence that this is happening on any sort of non-negligible scale before I'm even willing to consider it as a possibility. But the other side of this argument is, okay, what if we even granted that this is happening on a wide scale or we can prove that it will happen if LB-626 becomes law, even if we granted that some major brain drain is going to happen Is this a good reason to keep abortion legal? Well, we would love to protect unborn children, but we are worried about the economic impact of losing people who believe they need abortion to be successful. Are we ready to make abortion an economic issue and not a moral one on the legislative level? Are we really going to legislate a moral issue based on economic reasoning? And why would we or why should we do that? Abortion is wrong because it takes the life of a child, not because it deters people from moving here and giving their money to local businesses or working in our community. But again, I do not see this as being a compelling argument anyway. I simply refuse to believe that there are large numbers of people making location decisions based on abortion laws, and I do not believe this number will increase depending on how the unicameral votes on this bill. I can, however, add a bit of a caveat. I do think, and actually I know several people, not a lot, but a few, who have relocated based on general political trends. That is, there are people who would rather live in a blue state than a red one or vice versa. People like to be around others who generally believe the same things as they do. This makes sense. But I do not know of a single instance in which the decision was driven by abortion laws, which is also, of course, a new discussion in the wake of Roe being overturned last summer. But one last time, I cannot get behind this as a compelling argument. Gosh, this company in Omaha is offering me X amount of money, it's a great school district. Really a dream job, but no abortion access, so I guess it's off the table as an option. I just, I don't see it. If you're just tuning in, this is Ready to Stand, Spirit Catholic Radio Network, talking about Nebraska's LB-626, the Nebraska Heartbeat Act, passing through the first round of debate earlier this week on Wednesday. It was essentially an entire day of abortion industry talking points. And, of course, we don't have enough time to get to all of them, uh, but those were a few that stood out to me on Wednesday. Abortion as health care, as well as the idea that people won't want to live here if this bill passes. So There, of course, will be plenty more discussion to come on this bill in the coming weeks. Please remember to contact your state senator. Encourage them to vote in favor of protecting unborn children. You can Google your state senator or you can visit necatholic. And there's a tool there to find your senator. Uh, If you do not know who that is, please reach out. Even if you don't think it can make a difference, please reach out anyway. Okay, shifting gears here. This weekend, we celebrate the Feast of Divine Mercy, the second Sunday of Easter. This is a day for us to recognize and bask in the incredible, unfathomable mercy of that is offered to us by God through the gift of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of my favorite feast days of the year. I absolutely love the feast of divine mercy. And I love this feast, not only because I desperately need God's mercy, which I do, but also because this feast day, this feast of divine mercy, it calls us to be better in our quest to build a culture of life there are direct implications for the culture of life and direct connotations or connections between mercy and what we are trying to build, the culture of life. See, the Feast of Divine Mercy is not only a day to remember the mercy of God, it absolutely is that, but it's also a day to remind us of the need to show mercy to others as well, the other people in our lives. And there's a simple truth here. Remember Jesus told us, whatever merciful acts you do to the least of my brethren, that you do unto me. Remember the corporal works of mercy? Feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked, visiting those in prison, caring for the sick, sheltering the homeless, and burying the dead. I think I got all those there. Whenever we do any of the works of mercy, we are doing them not only for our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also to Christ himself. So this feast of divine mercy is a way for us to show mercy back to God. How amazing is that, that we get to reciprocate God's mercy by lavishing mercy on other people as well. And if you haven't noticed, this is an incredibly straightforward way to build a culture of life. What better way can you build up a culture of life than to recognize Christ in everyone and treat them accordingly. We talk about this all the time. There is no better way to build the culture of life. You want to recognize the sanctity of someone else's life? Feed them when they're hungry. Care for them when they are sick. Offer them shelter when they have nowhere, and so on. It begins in the womb, acknowledging the humanity of the unborn child, and it continues through life as we consistently seek opportunities to uphold the sanctity of all human life. The quest to show mercy to other people is exactly the way to go about demonstrating the uniqueness, the dignity, the value of each and every person. It's the way to recognize the image of God in those around us. It's a a way for us to say to the world, to our neighbors, I see you. I recognize Christ in you. Maybe you've hurt me and I forgive you. Maybe you're in need of something material that I can provide you. It's a way for us to keep that chain going in our own lives. God bestows his mercy on us. We pass it on to others. And then it becomes this ripple effect. It flows out from us. It contaminates in a good way the waters around us, so to speak. The culture of life almost has mercy as its beginning point. What an incredible gift that God has given us, that he has shown us. And all we have to do is acknowledge our sins. We got to seek forgiveness. We have to be ready to forgive and show mercy to those who have wronged us. And this begs a little bit of a question, doesn't it? Who are the people in my life? If we're talking about showing mercy to others, who are the people in my life who need mercy the most? And if I'm taking inventory, and sure the answer is everybody, okay? Everyone needs to be shown the mercy of the Heavenly Father. It is unequivocally our job to be the instrument of God's mercy in the world. That is all true. But who more specifically in your life, in your community, needs mercy? And that answer is going to be very different for each and every one of us. But this is really important, no matter how different or varied our answers are. The truth remains the same for all of us. We must show mercy. We must address the spots, the areas in our lives where we have been hurt, and we must forgive, and we must respond in mercy. Maybe it's a relationship gone sour. Maybe it's grudges that we hold in our hearts. I'm convinced that one of the devil's greatest tactics is to slowly and in a manner almost unnoticeable to encourage animosity or resentment in our hearts. And by the way, it should go without saying that if Satan were out in the open about his tactics, we wouldn't have any problems because we would easily recognize them and be able to reject them. But the problem is that he is subtle. He's not easily recognized. He can easily manifest as good or just. Think of a person who proudly proclaims, I'm not going to forgive that man. I'm not going to show him any mercy. All that's asked of me is to treat him how he's treated me. That's the just thing to do. And he's treated me lousy. So therefore, and you can see how this goes, it's just a perversion of what many of us know to be the golden rule. Satan's modus operandi, his way he goes about things, is to sneak things into our minds and hearts that will slowly have us drift away from God until we are so far away that we can barely recognize God and his mercy when we are able to encounter it. Picture yourself slowly drifting away from an island on a raft, really slowly, a couple of feet a day. For the first few weeks, you don't take any notice of it. Oh, the shore is right there. I'm still in swimming distance. And those little drifts don't seem to do much damage. But a couple of feet every day over the course of two years or three years or five years, and then all of a sudden you look back and you can't see the shore anymore. And this is how Satan operates. Slowly chipping away at our hearts and our minds, encouraging us to drift, planting little seeds of you name it, anger, envy, resentment, pushing us a little further away from the shore, a little further away from our Heavenly Father. We have to be on guard against this tactic. The best way to be on guard is to receive the sacraments, receive the Eucharist, make regular confession, and then to practice forgiveness. The best way to practice forgiveness is to be open and receive the immense mercy of our Heavenly Father to pass it on to other people. And if you immerse yourself in that mercy, and if you pass it on to other people, not only do you follow the command given in the Gospels, but at the same time, you are building the steps upon which a culture of life can be built. You're seeing Christ in other people, and you're offering them the same mercy that Christ has first offered you. So praise God for divine mercy Let's mark this feast day. It's one of my favorites on the calendar. Let's mark it with joy and with gratitude. And if you can, certainly try to get to the sacrament of confession within a week of the feast day and really open yourself up to the mercy of God, to bask in his love, to bask in his mercy. And of course, don't forget to pass that mercy along to others in your life who may need it as well. Cullen at kbss.com is the email, C-U-L-L-E-N at kbss.com. We are out of time for today. Please do not forget to reach out to your state senator. Encourage them to vote in support of LB-626, the Nebraska Heartbeat Act, protecting unborn children. Remember, there is no time like right now to get involved. Be sure to check out spiritcatholicradio.com slash stand for more information or to listen to any past episodes. Keep the dial right here on Spirit Catholic Radio, Catholic programming around the clock, helping you encounter Jesus. Ready to Stand will return next Saturday at 5 o'clock on course Sunday at 5.30. We'll talk more about how to build a culture of life. In the meantime, God bless you. Be ready to stand. And as always, be not afraid. You've just heard Ready to Stand on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Send your questions and comments to cullen at kvss.com. That's cullen, C-U-L-L-E-N at kvss.com. Be ready to stand every Saturday afternoon at 5 and Sunday afternoon at 5.30.